We are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And we have been awakened to the news earlier in the week from the sudden noise in the community of Lemur Park when we found out that the beloved Vision Theater uh, was on fire. Now, it was later confirmed that the actual theater itself was not ablaze. The building next to it was, and there were no reported injuries. However, that project, as many local residents know, has been under renovation for quite some time. And so the question now is, what is now the vision and future of the Vision Theater? So to help me have that conversation is a long-standing, legendary figure in the community of Lamar Park. He is beloved, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm honored that he's here with us. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, our <laughs> brother, Mr. Ben Caldwell. Mr. Caldwell, are you there? I am here. How are you doing, man? I am oh, man. It's great to hear your voice. We are cooling the gang up here. How you doing? We're doing well. It's it's uh, uh it's it's really hot in the city, and it was really uh, hot at the start of this week uh, with Ooh. all the changes that we had to deal with. So, um, so you know, just talking about the vision, uh, the very first thing I want to get straight is that it was really, really, really pretty. Uh, part of the problem was is that we are a very loving, caring community, as you know, yeah. and there were brothers and people out in the streets. So at this, uh, uh, where you had to hold and stay in one place, yeah. we had to be cognizant of moving people around in a way. So that group of people that came, that was just the last, um, like, three days that they kind of three or four days that they started congregating there. And there was during this time of the pandemic. So it was a kind of a strange thing on how to deal with humans. And because almost everybody we've gotten them a place and they were offered a place too, but there were also that stay in one place thing. So how do you really move people when they're not supposed to be moved and stuff like that? So mm. I think that that was the first thing that's different about it because there were homeless people and it did catch on fire. Uh, it was good that it was boxed in the Vision Theater because the place next to it was in renovation. I really think it's going to reinvigorate the, the, uh, the things that took place there and make people kind of really re-remember that that place had Fifty Dicks, Final Vinyl, uh, Eugene's, and also yes. oh Juicy's, and Zeb's Cleaners, and yeah. all those were black businesses and black-owned property, and it still is now. So yeah. I think Mark is one of the beauty shop places. Him and his mother had it back during the days that when you guys were here and with with soul children and Mark ended up buying those that strip of property and uh, and they uh, were reconfiguring it like they were 
we configured all the different places so they could have artistic uh, uh, access and, and community engagement in it, like they do with the Haran coffee shop and the barber shop that's under their business that are, are, are real in Sika's business. And all of those types of businesses are under their, their wing, you know, of they're the, they're the, uh, the property owners for it. Right. You know? So I think what you see along the strip in Degnan would probably give you a good idea of what's going to happen on the other side of the vision. Uh, the vision has been an operative for almost like, as you probably know, about 30 years, you know, it's ever since Marla Gid left, you know, it's, it feels like 30. And so there is no money. You know, that's drops a lot of people. You imagine if that happened at the Grove here if the theater stopped for about 20, 10 years, you know, how many people would really be at the Grove? So right. our, our anchor tenant wasn't really active. So we didn't get those 750 or 1000 people periodically to come and buy things. So there was nothing to generate stuff. So I think things are going to change in the way that we'll answer those with this, with the Metro being just one block down and we're, uh, I've been told that the place is going to be ready by the end of this year, the, the vision. And I think that uh, Mark then will be able to also do something similar. Well, that'd be great. Um, that, ladies and gentlemen, Vision Theater is a historic figure. Art Deco, way back in the 30s, I think is uh, constructed by Howard Hughes, taken over by Marla Gibbs in the 1980s, I believe. And uh, the the... It's, it's a figure in the community that has represented something of the, the, the soul of the black community. That's the best way I can describe it. Because as uh, Mr. Caldwell just stated, I mean, there are a lot of black owned businesses that reside right there in historic Lemert Park. And so the Vision Theater, if nothing else, Mr. Caldwell is, is such a symbolic reminder that uh, we are still standing. And um, you're, you have a lot of optimism that things are from this jump off right here. Uh, it's actually going to pave the way for future development and projects. Uh, I'd like to hear more about your thoughts on that because I've heard rumors mm -hmm. here and there. You know, everybody chimes in on social media, Mr. Caldwell. Uh, yeah. Was this sort of a planned thing? Is there something behind this? Is there other agents acting behind the scenes uh, to collect money on this somehow? Um, conspiracy theories aside or what have you, uh, what are your thoughts about the implications of this fire, man? Well, the fire itself um, could be any implication that you want it to be because it's that innocuous, you know. So that's the wildest thing because it is a homeless encampment that caught on fire. Right. Uh, it, you know, if they were wanting to catch the vision on fire, the, that would have been easier to do by just really going in inside and burning it or something because it yeah, isn't they that were that. Up. Yeah, they missed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? If they were really trying to tear the place down because it's in construction. And uh, so I don't think it was about that. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was just a coincidental fire that kind of wakes the community up. And I personally, this is me. I'm, I, I it's right. I am very, um, temple because I'm extremely like an artist that's spiritual. So I believe that this is a spiritual time. I, I believe that this is a time that, um, that we have been waiting for, 
for transitions and changes that are Look how quick this all happened, like overnight that the whole world stopped moving across this wonderful um, Mother Earth, you know. Yep. Uh, we, we've been trampling on it like a bunch of nimits that are crazy, gone out a while. Look at all the plants and life that is happening out of us just stopping, you know. Right. So, so that's the thing that I think is the blessing in all of this. It's, it's, it's a kind of um, uh, a natural path thing that has happened. Oh, wait, let me just get to the growing of our community. So that's the part that is, we ended up about 15 years ago because the same kind of rumors were happening then, you know, because they're, they're coming to take this away from us, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that they, we really, as Black American LA types and Southwestern types, are so gunned up and so powerful, we don't realize how powerful we are. Ooh, come on. You know, so those are the studies that we've ended up finding. So we ended up finding we, are, we own 75% after Mark them bought 19 properties, it bumped it up to 70%. We own 40% at first. 70% when was, when this place started at being a black place in the 60s we owned 20 to 30% of the properties as we came in and we were 20 and 30% of the population Ooh. by 1999 2000 we were 99% black and we're 6% of the population of Los Angeles whoa now how many people know that angelinos in particular well, those are the real numbers that they could pull up. We have the 2020 vision. If they want to see it, it's called Lemurk Park 2020 vision. We did a land trust study to break out real numbers so we wouldn't be dreaming. Wow. That's beautiful. You know, so I think it's an extremely powerful group. Then out of that came that this is the three, one of the three richest black communities in the United States that are here concentrated in Los Angeles. And we're only 6% of the population. Now, to that point, you're absolutely right. Ironically, uh, my wife and I, we like to look at affluent communities that house uh, a majority of black folks across the country. And two of those communities that came up in the top 10, Maryland dominated the state of Maryland. However, mm -hmm. uh, Ladera came up as well as uh, Windsor Hills. And y'all are right. pretty much like right down the street from Windsor Hills. Right. So you're absolutely right. And even yeah, go ahead. Yeah, even when they did the studies of the ones in Maryland and those areas, they're not like the ones here. We, we are, those are isolated living environments. They're not a whole community. Okay. Okay. Fair point. Now, we went... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say... Yeah, that was it. I went to... Uh, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, that was all I was going to say. It's just that they're not a whole completed community like Limer Park and the surrounding areas where, where we have art, a whole art community like jazz and blues and uh, okay. there are housing tracks that mm -hmm. cost a lot of money, but they're not like, like Ladera has, you know, all the eating places and the stuff like that. It's just a whole different kind of a mix that we're finding in doing the study. Because I'm even doing this in Chicago, uh, we're, we're making cross comparisons with cultures and, you know, Chicago's a bad place too. I mean, they have a lot of black stuff going on there. It's mm -hmm. really pretty phenomenal. 
you know. Anyway, yeah. Go, uh, what's your next question, love sir? Love it. No, I mean you're on the right track. I forget my last question. I, I'm I'm going to pivot. I'll come back to that in a second. You're you're reminding mm -hmm. me of like a Black Wall Street kind of situation, except it's it's more of a cultural vibe with Lamert Park, right? We got art, music. right? We have an entire movement movement and a repertoire of black cultural representation right in that little block or the, that series of blocks right there in that area. So right. we went to, well, talk to me about that. You know, can you put it into the context of sort of a, a, a sort of the cultural parallel to like a black wall street from Tulsa, Oklahoma, the, the resonance that it has in the black community there? Yeah, well, this is the kind of the, the, the study once we started really looking at it is, you know, you do the demographic trend, uh, you know, this was for, almost 500 years before it became anglicized a black community mm -hmm. all of the southwest because we mixed with the indians and there were a lot of uh this was and the indians here were black and then there was just this strong black thickness here that ended up with this kind of southwestern california look that is this blended brown people kind of things because even my my brothers married latinas and i can see the kind of the, the next generations there they look like californians you know mm. <laughs> like, and so you imagine that. 400 years of intermixing that way as a whole full society and you know the united states has only been in existence about 200 years right yeah. so this kind of 400 years of intermeshing is where I started doing the research. And then, then you deal with the Californians that came to start the uh, first Los Angeles. Uh, they were mostly blacks. And then they did that as a cultural blend because they did it intentionally as a way to, to, to brownize the, the society similar to the way Brazil did. Anyway, so the downtown area was mostly black. So mm. it's called, a, like Oliveira Street was called a Cayana Negros. And so wow. downtown was the central, central place that black people lived. And then as things in, you know, Pio Pico was a black mulatto brother. And so all of those things where the Pico house was, and there's that whole radius then had eight, you know, Asians and blacks living together. We, we lived very well with each other because we kind of worked with each other. That's right. And so then, then that migrated to South Central because Diddy Mason, and then South Central, that's the black the Wall Street concept that you're talking about, because we then had banks, we had the Dunbar Hotel, we then had all of those. And then that migrated from there because of the onslaught similar to what's happening now in the Depression and during the early parts of California. These guys had had almost 300 years of 400 years of their own culture. And then a lot of the migrants from the South came, and it was very similar to the kind of onslaught that we're having with the downtown situation with mostly our people. How do we as people engage with them in a way that makes it, um, other than us just looking at it? And so that made a whole migration into then was Western, which ended up being Sugar Hill. And then uh, that got decimated uh, because of the people uh, who lived there were mostly higher middle class because that was where Hollywood was and all of those guys are, and they ran the 10 freeway down it. And then that migration then went to the hills here. So that's the full kind of run. And so there's no place to go now. <laughs> so, right. and I, and I've just noticed with these folks, they're very powerful because 
look at the administrations of the city, the city places, and you know Wesson and Mark Wrigley Thomas and mm-hmm. uh, and Marquise and all of these young, just powerful black people who are out here just uh, still being six percent of the population. We're handling all of those kinds of things politically too, you know. Yeah. So, wow. so what we what we ended up doing is 20 years ago, we started seeing that. And then 10 years ago, we started working on it uh, with Mark. Well, like I think about six years ago with Marquise, uh, but 10 years ago, we started with, with, with Wesson and uh, he then helped us kind of um, do the people street concept with the city and the rest of the, the community. So we were able to block off like one area so we could use it as a, um, as a test pad. I called it the Petri dish. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we could see how the state, the police, the community. So right in our little front lot, uh, that one place we have the city, which on, you know, cultural affairs, which is not, and then you find out that the city is also street services and then you have the fire department and then you have the county because it's just across the street and there's a layover for 300 feet into Lamert Park. Marquise is down on the other side, the 10th and 8th districts is on. And so all of those plus more, that's not even including the community and the homeless and parks and rec are all of that gets to be studied for these last 10 years as a way to see how we could operate with all of those entities as a community. Wow. So we wouldn't get caught by surprise because usually what happens with communities, they get caught by surprise. But I, a lot of us went to college and we studied how people got caught by surprise and like, why should we have that happen to us this time? So mm-hmm. why should this follow the same template you know, know that, that we are studying? Because I think gentrification is a study of a past event. It's nothing that we're going through now. Mm. Wow. You know, well, that's really. Yeah, people have been saying that uh, the pandemic has laid bare some of those underlying social issues that we're facing in the community. And it has not told us or taught us anything new, like you're saying, these issues have long been there. And so when you talk yeah. about the, the, the homeless issue in that community, and also, I mean, I'm pivoting a little bit here, when, when you talk about the fact that we're succeeding above and beyond our um, representation, if you will, if we're only 6% of the, the population, basically, and we're owning 70% of anything, uh, that's pretty amazing. I, I, you know, I didn't realize how powerful that corridor was down in LA in Lamert Park, and that is a very, very powerfully uplifting message to get from you today, Mr. Ben Caldwell, because it gives people yeah. a vision, literally, what we're talking about, a, a vision of the place that heretofore I don't think they could really have an appreciation for. And you have stats and data to back it up. So this is yeah. I think what we don't do is we don't realize. Like for instance, when you're standing at the park and you look across the street and you see uh, 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 what the uh, this, the bank, uh, what is that? The Chase Manhattan Bank. Okay. We think that Chase Manhattan owns it, but they're renting it from Danny Bakewell. Come on now, tell us who Danny Bakewell is. 
Danny Bakewell is the brother that owns the Brotherhood Crusade, and he yes. also uh, is one of the people who started, who's, who's now running the Sentinel, and he's okay. also the person that does the Taste of Soul. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Made you know? agreements for and, California. Yes, go ahead. And then the other thing is the Baldwin Hill Shopping Center is a black-owned corporation that started in Chicago. And they're the ones that bought out that whole place. So that's a lot of property that's owned it by really black. Is. So, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And you go out the street and you see a couple of McDonald's and Winchell's and oh, I know Denny's. They're all black-owned. That's black-owned. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So that's what's confusing people is we don't have... Um, I was just reading about how we transitioned even in the South. They were talking about the Great Migration. Uh, we used catfish and, and chicken, and those were the first businesses out of slavery that made money because mm -hmm. uh, those were the happy times that we got from 12 o'clock mm -hmm. to the evening every Saturday when we were slaves. <laughs> mm, and catfish was one of the ways that we ate and we also had chicken and so some of the people who got off work first would go fishing mm. and then then they would get things prepared so then they could enjoy the fish and it was kind of like fun because i remember my family doing that and so it's just kind of interesting there's a whole tradition of that being happy time eating catfish <laughs> you know? absolutely it's just things like yeah. that where that's the soul of the people right there so before we let you go yeah. Uh, thank you mm -hmm. for sharing all this, this rich <laughs> uh, information mm -hmm. because um, what I was going to say earlier, my wife and I went to New Orleans Essence Festival last year and up to last year, you know, that had fallen out of the hands of a black ownership until a gentleman mm -hmm. named Richelieu Dennis uh, bought the Essence magazine oh. back. And so, really, yeah, yeah it's, it's black owned again now, but for wow. a period of years, it was not. And so we yeah. actually took a photo with him. I maybe have to pull that out. But yeah, the brother's name is Richelieu Dennis. And so Richelieu when you talk Dennis. about the, the, the vast cultural contribution of Lamert Park, uh, Ben Caldwell, you, you are right in the thick of that. I mean, you are the founder of Chaos Network. You have been there for years. You have been preserving this culture. And I have often, you know, even throughout the... I've referred to that area as sort of the last stance of the black community in Southern California because there has been so much gentrification. There has been uh, a flow of uh, immigration into that area. It's dominated by uh, a significant Hispanic uh, population now. And so I've often referred to it as the last stand. You're giving me today, yeah. however, a sense of uh, pride that I hadn't realized was there. We're powerful, we're strong, and we're not yeah. going anywhere. So on that, and we have to reconfigure. You know, yeah, go we ahead. have to reconfigure. We have to reconfigure how we even call black because when we say that Latinos are coming in, they're almost forty-five to fifty, if not sixty to seventy percent black themselves. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're Belizeans. They're yes. Hondurans. They're Puerto Ricans. They're, yes. So no, I think we as Black Americans, and and especially Los Angeles Black Americans, need to really expand their idea of who their partners are because these Latinos, because because I'm from New Mexico, I really know that that they're yes. Black. 
you know, right. and, you know, pull up Henry Louis Gates thing of, of him looking at Mexico. He says, well, if they were in the United States uh, with the, in that one drop being black, they're black. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. You know? wow. And I think that's the other thing we have to reconfigure our allies and how we deal with this, because we have a lot of power, but we kind of have a thin way that we see what our new migration so a lot of those people come here because even the koreans when they came you, i don't think black americans not think that the asians think that they're that they're the blacks in asia hmm. mm -hmm. and so they came to us like they're our friends yeah <laughs> you know? you're talking about south because that's how i met them huh south koreans or just yeah. koreans in general well, South Koreans in general, they're, they're thought of as being, you know, they were the colonized people that made, that work for all of the Asian mm -hmm. cultures, you know? Yeah. Yes. They were the slaves of that culture. So they were, and they are the darker ones. And so mm -hmm. they were always considered that. But mm -hmm. I wanted to say one thing before that I ended, and that is Destination Crenshaw. Okay. It's a powerful thing that we've been able to do that's, and it's a, a, a move where we got a, a uh, $15 million park that's going to be built at the same time this metro opens. And that park is going to be at the mouth of when the metro goes under and comes up, going south and goes under to go to Obama Boulevard. So we, we were able to get a park, uh, a park that's going to be like grand performances where we can have big events there. Uh, because so that's one thing and it's going to be a procession of of looking unapologetically back black for that whole strip from from Nipsey Hussles to to project to uh, to the People's Plaza here at Vision Theater mm. you know? and and they're spending about a hundred thousand hundred million dollars and so there's controversy around that because the money's been spent spent on art. Uh, the only thing that I would have to say is I think that art is the good ins, uh, incinerator to help our business actually work because art and cultural brings people. Absolutely. Beautiful. Ben Caldwell, Southern California staple legend. Good brother. What's the best way for people to keep in touch with you and follow your work? Well, I think I have Instagram, which Chaos Networks with a Z at the end, and and it's spelled with a K. It's not C H. It's K A O S Network, mm -hmm. and then the same thing on Facebook, and then the other would be uh, uh, under my name, Ben Caldwell, in uh, in on Facebook. That's right. That's, That's probably right. the best way. Absolutely. C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. -L -L. Don't make the mistake that I did, ladies and gentlemen. There's no you in Caldwell, okay? But yeah, the brother has well, got yeah. us. The brother's got us all in his heart, mind, and spirit. So, Mr. Caldwell, it's always an honor, good brother. Thank you so much for joining us. Will you join us again sometime on Psychotic Bump School? Of course. Um, and thanks, Soul Children Rome. <laughs> oh, man, you're my heart and soul, man. We would not even be here if it wasn't for this gentleman, ladies and gentlemen. This brother right here um he he's done it all and he's paved the way for so many of us including me 
So I salute you, good brother. That's Ben Caldwell. This is KCWGTheTruth.com's program. It's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was Mr. Ben Caldwell, y'all. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this. Oh. 